Hey, this is Glenn with another episode of Difficult Questions. This one, what's the plan after affirmative action? So now that it's gone, what do we do for success? Because it was a leg up and, and people politically talk about the goods and the bads of, of affirmative action. And in the 80s, I remember affirmative action, but then I remember people stopped talking about it. I often wonder what, what happened to it. In my experience, this country is about what you can get. And so what I see affirmative action as being is it's an opportunity for a certain people that come from a certain background to get something that they didn't have access to. And now it's argued that nobody because of their race or background or culture can get that advantage, get, get put into a place where they didn't earn or belong, which those are two concepts that in the United States, from my experience, they don't really matter. It's about what you can get. And so I wanted to go through what those what those things are that you need for success that I found and and kind of my history, even though I'm not affirmative action material, my experience with navigating what all those steps to success could be. So the way I've broken it down is you need brains and you need drive. That's a personal thing. You If you don't have those, People can put you in those places, but I, I don't know that you're ever going to succeed. And so let's just say you need those two. You need brains and you need drive. You need, you, you need the intelligence to, to push forward and you need, need the drive to push forward in, in whatever strategy. Then it, it helps to have the training. Training could be social training. This is these people act this way and this, so I should act this way among these people to make them feel comfortable. Or it could be education. Hey, I know about this certain subject because, and I had this opportunity to go to this certain retreat or whatever it was to, to understand how different people function or the, the people I want to be around, how they function. So that, that's training and or education. Uh, and then you need your network of people to accept you into the group, right? That's that you definitely, you need to know the right people. And then money, money always helps. <laughs> money, especially in the United States, money makes everything easier. If you have money, then you can push forward and you can get yourselves into the right network. Uh, so those are kind of the five things. And I want to kind of break down my experience and just kind of seeing seeing how how that factored into to my life and also some experiences of friends of mine. I grew up middle middle class. I was a child of two teachers and public university was always the thing. It wasn't I was never geared towards, I, I personally was kind of geared towards throwing away any kind of idea of prestige. Uh, I don't know why I got that in my head. Some people gravitate towards finding places, going to schools of prestige. 
I wanted to just learn and I didn't care where I learned it from. So I went to uh, CSU Sacramento. So it's a, a four year university in the place I grew up. I went for the program and it wasn't necessarily the, the prestige of that program. And then I went to graduate school in the Midwest. And again, people outside of the Midwest hadn't really heard of that, that school. And I, I went for the program. So when I started teaching, and I, I started teaching at universities early. Uh, I was in Las Vegas and was in the right position, the right time. And I was able to to teach at UNLV, but I was in Las Vegas. Again, it wasn't like I was going to Yale for Yale's sake. I was going to Harvard to be around those people that go to Harvard or, you know, USC for USC, whatever that prestige was, that brand name. I didn't, I didn't go for the brand name and I wasn't teaching for the brand name. And then I was looking to get to, to Los Angeles eventually. And there was a, an opportunity at UC Riverside, so University of California, Riverside. And in, in the public school system in California, you have prestige-wise, you need to get into the UCs take more of an academic route. You need better grades. You need more extracurricular activities to get into the UCs than the California State University system, which is the one I went to undergrad in. So now I was going to teach in prestige-wise a system that was above, right? You had to be smarter. You had to be better to be into. And it was this, this chasing prestige. But it was a UC that wasn't UC Berkeley, the first UC, and it wasn't UCLA, there are 12, I think, UC schools, and it was UC Riverside. It was down. It wasn't even uh, another coastal school. It wasn't, it was, it was down in prestige. And it always wanted to fight for prestige, but it it didn't have that. And the the place I went to teach, the department I went to teach in, they actually needed me to teach subjects that they didn't have a full-time professorship for. And the dean accused the chair of the department of sneaking me in the back door because I was young teaching and I was about teaching the subject and the accuracy of being a good teacher. But I had no I had no national reputation. I had no prestige. And you see, Riverside was always looking for that prestige. When I was teaching there, I was always first a staff member and then. I taught. I was not a tenured faculty, which is again in prestige, you're always you're always fighting. So I remember teaching there and I was I was listening to some political debate somewhere and I was talking to my supervisor and I said, "How do I get in the room to make decisions?" So let's say being a political leader, being a national political leader, and he just said to me, you missed your chance. You didn't go to Ivy League schools. You didn't go to any of those high brand name schools that allow you the prestige to get in the room with the people that are already making the decisions that then 
allow you to make those decisions. So he said, you, you know, your decision to not go to a high prestige school automatically blocked you out of ever making those decisions with those high prestige people. Now, there are ways to navigate that after your high prestige brand name school, but it helps. I know now down here in Southern California, stereotypically, the writers that write for the larger networks are all from Ivy League schools. They use that brand name stamp. Uh, Daniel Tosh had a had a joke about that, how the people, his employees actually went to brand name schools. He went to some Florida State University or University of Florida. And but he also chase that prestige in that he was a stand-up that got a show on the brand name Comedy Central. And Comedy Central was writing high prestige after Dave Chappelle's show. The Chappelle show is, oh, there's another great Comedy Central. There's a great comedy show and it's from Comedy Central. And so they're riding this wave of prestige and then Daniel Tosh gets this, this clip show on Comedy Central. So now he's prestige, prestigious and people see him. And so you're always fighting for prestige, for that marker of whatever it is being cool. So people will gravitate around you. So, all right, I can't make, I can't get in the room because I didn't go to Yale. I didn't go to Harvard. And I was a staff member at UC Riverside. And I thought, well, and I didn't like the politics of it. And I was always, I was allowed into the faculty meetings, but I wasn't allowed to say much. And I thought, well, I don't like being a second class citizen. If I have to teach students, I get, I should get a say too. And I want to be a real boy, I'd call it. So I started looking for full-time tenured faculty positions. And I found one at CSU San Bernardino. So again, I went to a CSU in undergrad and now I was looking to step down from a UC and teach at a CSU, but it was a tenured track position. So again, you're fighting this prestige. Oh, tenured track, someone buy, bought into you and what you do, but it's at a CSU. And CSU San Bernardino, again, not, not CSU San Francisco, not CSU, whatever it may be, these higher profile CSUs. It's in the Inland Empire in Southern California, impoverished student body, um, second class citizens, right? And that knocked me down in prestige. But what happened, what I noticed is instead of me fighting for clout, fighting for legitimacy at UC Riverside, they needed me at CSU San Bernardino to be amazing. So I remember going in and them talking me up to other people because they needed me to be something. And that's the other way to find success is you need to get into a room and you need to be needed by other people. And as I've been in the entrepreneurial land, I have found that the successful people, one, are a joy to be around, and two, make other people money. That's how you succeed. 
you succeed by positioning yourself to be able to make the people around you money because then they buy into your success. And if you are a fun person, a gregarious person, a neat person, an attractive person to be around, they want you around as well. It's part of this prestige. It's part of this clout. And attractive, it could be physically attractive. It could be just a fun person to be around, a good party person. I don't party. I'm no fun, so I can't get into that prestige club. But these are the things you're kind of navigating. And now that you don't have a, a system to grab you and say, hey, we're going to put you in with these people you don't know, but you're now a cool person because the law says so or or the uh, the quota says so, and you, we need you to be cool. Now that you don't have that, you've got to find another way to be cool. I had a friend that she grew up in Northern California, way Northern California, kind of poor. She's super smart, super go-getter, would be great in Ivy League, but she didn't have money and resources to get to Ivy League. But she found her way in high school to worm her way. She She got to Harvard in high school and it was 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 wasn't allowed to take the classes but made friends with the TAs so she could take classes she could get graded on the lectures she was sitting in on and she would talk to students at Harvard and she was eating all that knowledge up that great teaching at Harvard that everyone talks about the Ivy League education and she was talking to these other students that were just there because their parents had the money or had the connections. And she was flabbergasted that these students just didn't care as much as the poor students back in her town didn't care about ad education. It's just those students had parents with money, resources, connections, and the ones back there didn't. So absolutely, I think affirmative action is a thing that could be needed. But now that we don't have it, what else can you use? What other resources? I One of the big things I always say is don't give them an excuse. So I have a friend uh Deuce, the real Deuce, making the movie about his life. and grew up poor South Side of Chicago, hustling in the South Side of Chicago. And he never saw the, the world of Ivy League as an opportunity, as a way. He was looking at any education as the best education is a bump up. Well, how does a guy like that get into making decisions? And a lot of your upbringing is the confidence to make those decisions. I don't think he was given the confidence to say, no, I want to be in the room, that room and I can be in that, in that room. However, my friend from Northern Northern California, she had the chutzpah to, I think, decide, hey, I could make those decisions. I want to make those decisions. So what is that thing in you that gives you the confidence to get in the room, to get to the next step. And this is a country where once you can find your puzzle piece of how you can succeed, you can make it work. Now, that's 
Not to say it's given, it's very hard. It's a lot easier for people that already have those things that fit. But what can you find to look for those puzzle pieces of prestige, of education, of your network, of training, of money? I was listening to that documentary about Clarence Thomas. And it was interesting to me because arguably someone that knocked down affirmative action, he was a Black Panther in the 70s. But, I, but the documentary talked about how he realized that that was going to, going to get him nowhere. To be a revolutionary was going to get him nowhere. Now, it's good being revolutionary. It makes revolutions happen. But you're a sacrifice to the people that come after you because you're not going to succeed as a revolutionary. You're going to be labeled a terrorist. You're going to be jailed if you're lucky, killed probably. <laughs> so he decided, I, this is not for me. I want to actually succeed. So he started taking, he, he got a law degree from a high prestige university, but he was black and he wasn't getting the high prestige jobs after the, the law degree from the high prestige university. So he started figuring out politically who he could hang out with and be useful to. And that's how he jumped into being successful. And he started being groomed for a Supreme Court justice spot. At the same time, you have, let's say, a Hunter Biden, where your father is the president of the United States has been in active politics, national politics, since you've been born, but you are a major screw-up. You've been given every, every opportunity to succeed, and you are just screwing up at every point. And it's not fair that we have the Hunter Bidens out there, and it's not a political Democrat versus Republican. It's not fair, but it just happens. That, he, that guy is going to get the opportunity for higher paying jobs because of who his dad is. That's the way it works. And it sucks, but what can we do about that? I don't know that we can do anything about that. But you as a useful person or as a person with drive and a person with intelligence, how can you navigate to succeed and not worry about what Hunter Biden has been given and what he's thrown away or what Clarence Thomas, Clarence Thomas gave up to get to the position he's at. My supervisor, the same one that told me that I had given up my opportunity to get in the room to make decisions would always say, make your own deal, worry about your own deal. And I think that, I think that may be the clue, the, the clue of what the plan is after affirmative action. It's what's your deal out of drive and intelligence and money and training or education and your network, how can you get yourself in a position where other people want you to succeed because you make them money or give them joy? How can you do that? And I think that's what we need to focus on because the system will always be the system and then you only have your single life. So you have to know the system and navigate the system and work with it or against it or around it or whatever it may be. What do you think? 
What is the plan after affirmative action? What are you going to do to succeed? Does any of this ring true to your life? Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.